Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, improvisers. Happy fall. It is September 27th, 2022, as I record this. I love the fall. When the weather gets cooler, the trees change color, everything is pumpkin-spiced, and spookiness is in the air. Synergy Theater's new show, Spontaneous Hitchcock, fits right in. The show will run at the Lesher Center in Walnut Creek, California, October 20th to the 30th. I'll be there, and you know who else? Griffin Davis Beer, Synergy Theater performer, and Valerie, both Synergy Theater videographer and Griffin's mom. Valerie thought that we should do an interview together, and I thought, that's a great idea. We talk about Hitchcock, what Griffin has been up to since our last interview, episode 6, and how Synergy will bring Hitchcock's visions to life through the art of improvised theater. Griffin is also a teacher with Synergy Theater, and you can find his classes through SynergyTheater.com. Okay, on to the interview. (laughs) Valerie, Griffin, thank you so much for being here. And Valerie, I have to give you all the props. The reason why we are sitting here together in together in quotes is (laughs) is because of you. Thank you so much. Thank 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 both of you and. I just realized it's September now and the show's coming up in October and your podcasts are so great, Sarah. People want to, we, we need to put some more out like ASAP. Absolutely. And I am also just really grateful to talk to the two of you because I think you're both awesome. Well, you know, <laughs> I passed it down to Griff. It's all genetic. Oh, so, Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Of course. So Griffin, last time you and I talked in this forum or format, you had just started directing the online show, the one about the 50s diner. And then in addition to that, you were doing another set of performances with another group in an online soap opera. So I'm interested to see how you've been and what you're up to now. Yeah, it's crazy to think that that must have been over a year ago now because, yeah, Soda Pop, which was the 50s themed show, which I directed, that was throughout the summer in 2021. And then at the same time, I was doing Duluth, which was an improvised soap opera with the World Improv Network. And that ran throughout the summer. So it's been crazy since we've been back on stage for about a year now, starting with uh, improvised Shakespeare last October, I believe. I was there and I know Valerie was too. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. And it's been, you know, up and down since because we did that show and we did it with masks on both performers and audience members. Oh, that's right. And I remember sitting in the audience and thinking, they must be so 
hot. And I remember <laughs> some of the cast members' masks had rhinestones on it. So it was very, <laughs> but, but I was worried. I was like, they can't breathe. And they're supposed to be able to hear each other well as they're doing scenes. And it was amazing. Yes, you survived it. We did survive. It was a little difficult because one, we're in costumes, which can get pretty hot and uncomfortable. And two, there's all the bright lights and some people have glasses on. So the masks end up fogging up their glasses. They can't see. And there's the lights in your face. And then on top of all of that, we have to improvise in Shakespearean language. (laughs) (laughs) Can it be more challenging? Sure. (laughs) I think that was the perfect deluge of all the things that could make it a difficult show. But I think even on top of all that, we still did a great job. It was very great. It was amazing. And you had some near sold out shows too. Yeah, I guess it was surprising because we weren't sure what the reception would be going back after a year because this was at a time where the Lesher Center where we performed was just reopening their doors and people were, you know, not exactly sure what to expect and still concerned about safety and what was required to go into the show. So I was happy we were finally able to return. Yes. I remember sitting in the audience and pinching myself the entire time and just being so grateful to be there in a live audience and see Synergy Theater perform again as a group. And then after that, we did improvise Charles Dickens. Originally, that was supposed to be in January of this year, 2022. And that was the show that, unfortunately, we had to cancel. Mm. Uh, Right. People were very concerned again, cases at an all-time high. And we decided that the best choice of action was to cancel that performance. So we ended up moving that one instead, postponing it to being our spring show. And the spring show was originally supposed to be the Hitchcock show, and that one got postponed and Dickens got put in its place. Got it. So since then, you've had Dickens, that was in April, and then you did the space show in July. Yes. And I believe Dickens was the one where the performers got to take off our masks. And I think for this upcoming show for Hitchcock will be the first time where Performers are unmasked and then the audience will have a choice. They can go masked off if they feel comfortable. I'm really looking forward to it. And not just because Hitchcock is, I'm not going to say that Hitchcock is one of my favorite directors, but the storytelling and the style of the films definitely do and have appealed to me. Uh, And so I'm very interested in hearing, Griffin, what... Hitchcock films you have been watching to prepare for the performance? Which ones? Well, we don't have a set criteria. Ken, the creative director, isn't giving us a list of films to watch, but there's surely so many. I mean, Hitchcock made films for like five decades, and we've been primarily focusing on psychological thrillers 
and cases of mistaken identity. So those are our primary focus. And our very first rehearsal, instead of rehearsal, we gathered together at Nikki Vilas's house and we watched Psycho together. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Yes. And Psycho is definitely one of our biggest points of inspiration for the show. So that one was a very important one for everyone to see and become acquainted with. I have a bit of Psycho trivia. If you're interested. <laughs> I'd so, love to hear. Okay. So Hitchcock was really concerned about the, the twists and especially the ending getting out. And it, this was in 1960. So he bought the rights to, uh, I think the author's name was Robert Block. He bought the rights to the novel. And it, this part might be a rumor, but he told his secretary to buy up as many copies of the book as, as she could to help <laughs> keep its content under wraps. And then he forced his cast and crew to take an oath, swearing they wouldn't uh, divulge the plot. And, <laughs> then, and then he intentionally held the film out of press screenings to prevent critics from spoiling it. And the film's newspaper ads said to the audience, Please do not give away the ending. It's the only one we've got. <laughs> I was, and the, I was thinking about that, and I was, I just love improv so much for so many reasons. One of which is we don't have to worry about spoilers. That's true. <laughs> and I, I would like to hear Griffin, what you think about that in this genre, because. The audience that goes is going to be presumably fans of Hitchcock. So they're sitting there and they kind of know the theme. So they may think that they know where the play is going, but this is all improvised. So what does that mean to you? And how do you think that's going to develop on the stage? Well, I think it's going to lead to a lot of surprises for the audiences and for us, the performers as well, because with each show, we do have a general structure that we talk about beforehand. We don't just go out there and make everything up. We have weeks of rehearsal where we're trying out the general structure of um, the beats of the show, but we certainly don't plan how it's going to end. And in doing rehearsal, it has ended certainly a lot of different ways because the setup for each show is actually pretty similar. But the way it turns out is going to be very different for each time. I think we haven't done kind of a show that has been in the horror genre for a long time, actually predating me because they used to do a show with Synergy called Z is for Zombie. And that one was based on a zombie apocalypse thing. Uh, but this one kind of being a horror show and having possible deaths, uh, it's really hard to see what's about to come and what kind of intensity that we can all improvise on the stage to make it for an exciting Hitchcockian experience. Do you have a favorite Hitchcock film? Well, I have to say I am not as versed as maybe some of the other members. Um, I actually had only seen one Hitchcock film before we started rehearsing this one, which was North by Northwest. 
But in watching them, I think my favorite so far of the ones I've seen has been Vertigo. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good one. Yep. Now, is is it James Stewart in Vertigo? Yes, right? Yes. And James Stewart was also in Rear Window. Have you, yes. Valerie, you've seen that one? Griffin, have you not yet seen that one? I have seen that one. Actually, a funny thing, we were talking about accents and kind of the mid-Atlantic accent. Mm. And I watched Rear Window and Vertigo kind of close together. And I was like, all right, that's what a mid-Atlantic accent sounds like. It's just uh, Jimmy Stewart's voice. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Uh, There he is across the way. He's going to murder her. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, if the internet is to be believed, Hitchcock thought that Vertigo was going to be a bigger hit. And he attributed the fact that it wasn't a a big smash hit to Jimmy Stewart's age. So, and, and this is all, I mean, I think this is all hearsay, but Jimmy Stewart was expecting he was going to be cast in the role of North by Northwest, but Hitchcock didn't want to do that. He wanted to cast Cary Grant. And so Hitchcock just kind of waited for Jimmy Stewart to get bored of waiting (laughs) to be asked. <laughs> and he took another role and then Hitchcock moved forward with North by Northwest with Cary Grant using that oh. as an excuse. Mm. Um, and the rest is history. I mean, Cary Grant in that film is fantastic. And Vertigo is an incredible film as well. Yeah, it certainly was, especially one aspect I didn't expect to find so enjoyable is that it's set in San Francisco. Mm. <laughs> uh, we live in the Bay Area. And especially over the past year, I've spent a lot of time around Mission Dolores. Like there's the Dolores Park nearby. And seeing that featured in the film, it's like, oh, wait, I know that place. I recognize it. It looks the same 60 years later or however long it's been. Valerie, do you have a favorite Hitchcock film? I don't know if I have a favorite. I've seen Rear Window, parts of that. Maybe Vertigo, I, I did see. That was part of my film class when I was in college. But Psycho, The Birds really bugged me. That was, <laughs> the Birds was extremely creepy. <laughs> to this day, I, I don't even like seeing a huge flock of birds. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, that, that one really got me. And I think just because Hitchcock was so great at using the camera to, 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 follow a person's viewpoint and it really it really creeped me out you really felt like you were the person there being attacked and that's why it's so fascinating and i'm so grateful that ken and synergy are doing hitchcock for october it's to me that's just perfect yes it lends itself perfectly to uh, improvised theater i think because Hitchcock kept you guessing the whole time. And it's the same feeling that I get when I'm watching a Synergy show. What do you think, Griffin? Yeah, definitely. I think it's the same feeling, but for a different reason. Because in a thriller like that, or you know, anything with a mystery, there's usually a singular writer who knows the entire story when they're writing it. And they're leaving those breadcrumbs throughout the story to lead you up to like, the big twist or the big reveal, the answer to the mystery. But we don't have that same opportunity in Synergy because there's nine of us trying to tell one story together. We don't know the outcome. 
So we really have to listen and pay attention to each other and find those fun answers to the questions we posed in the moment. We don't know until like a second before you know. Which is amazing because being someone who's been in the audience for all these years, there's synergy is so good at this that everyone, I, I always hear the audience saying, yeah, they, they rehearsed this. They, they planted someone to suggest that, right? They, it's so seamless the way they just keep creating this story live in front of our eyes. It's so good that the audience is in disbelief that it's really improvised. Yeah, I've heard that same comment in the audience before as well. And Griffin, you just reminded me of another bit of trivia that I happened upon. And that is, and Hitchcock went by the nickname Hitch. Uh, So Hitch worked with famous literary figures and painters. So for example, he hired John Steinbeck and Dorothy Parker as writers to like tighten up his scripts. He also worked with painter Salvador Dali on the film Spellbound for the dream sequences in that film. So, and knowing this inspires me, Griffin, to ask you, what famous painter or writer would you want to do an improv scene with? (laughs) Hmm, that is an interesting question. Writer or painter? Writer or painter? Yeah, dead or alive. (laughs) Dead or alive, Um, but it has to be historical. Well, someone you like. Would you want to do an improv scene with? Yes. Well, I was really having a great time the other year doing the Agatha Christie ones, the Miss Marple shows. So I think I'd have a good time with Agatha Christie. Oh, yeah, she would be great. (laughs) What about you, Valerie? What do you think? You know, the minute you said that, Sarah, I just thought Vincent Van Gogh. (laughs) Really? Well... There's something about him. Van Gogh intrigues me yeah. as an artist. Uh, he's not a writer, but his art to me is writing as well. I read mm-hmm. into his art. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a storyteller, too. <laughs> well, now you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, the first the first person that came to my head is, and it, it scares me. It's not something I would be excited to do, but, but it was Stephen King. Oh, <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And and I've heard him, Stephen King, interviewed several times. And he's not, he does, he, I don't think he's as scary in person. And he's very well-spoken. That would be so good. That would be amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, Valerie, I don't think I'm imagining things when I say that you are Griffin's biggest fan. I'm his biggest fan. Well, I'm, I'm Griffin's fan and all of Synergy, to be honest. I didn't see a whole lot of Griffin before Synergy. Oh, I mean, I saw him. You did Berkeley Improv, right? Uh, Griffin. I mean, in terms of performing, not just in. <laughs> yeah, can you clarify that, please? <laughs> yeah, you know, always going to be my my number one firstborn son, but. <laughs> uh oh, there's a but. <laughs> yeah, synergy really like really blossomed, and I saw how your potential with them, and I remember your first when you first talked about joining them and how Arastu got you the audition and the struggles in the beginning, acclimating yourself to the group. And oh my gosh, so much has happened in the past four years. It's, I can't believe it's only been four years. That's all I can say. Um, On the opposite side, I can't believe it's been four years. (laughs) Well, but how much you've grown and 
the cast, I mean, certain cast members have stayed, but you've had many come and go as well. How many are going to be at Hitchcock? There's currently nine of us in the show, but there won't be all nine of us for each performance. I imagine that, Valerie, you have, I know you have an incredible library of Griffin's performances. I have more trivia for you. And, and that is, bring it. <laughs> one, one of Hitch's first films is lost to history at just 25 years old. He directed a film called The Pleasure Garden and then The Mountain Eagle. Now, this was both, I think, back in like the 1920s. All prints of The Mountain Eagle disappeared and all that's left is a handful of production photos and a lobby card. Now, lobby cards, if for those of you who don't know, uh, are not quite movie posters, but they're the smaller version. And maybe you've seen them on display in certain like kitschy kind of restaurants. They're pretty much tell you the plot in one small go. And they were put in the lobbies of movie theaters back in the day. So one lobby card that was found at a flea market of this film. And, wow. but, but Hitch was glad that it was lost because he said it was really bad. <laughs> so, so like my, my question is Griffin, Griffin and Valerie, is there a performance of Griffin's that's lost to time. <laughs> Fascinatingly enough, there was a performance of Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom, you came and you <sighs> you filmed every performance. I did. But unfortunately, the one that I think a lot of us really wanted to go back and see <laughs> was the one where there was a technical glitch. And the recording didn't come out, right? That's true. And I regret that hugely. <laughs> In fact, I even said that was their best show of the series. <laughs> and it was completely my fault. I, I use an old-fashioned Sony camcorder and an SD card. And I have two SD cards. And I, I formatted the wrong card. And I erased that performance. So... It's gone. Valerie, I have photos. It, Valerie, it's okay. It, really, it's it's going to be okay. I hear I hear the pain in your voice. I'm going to cry. And, and it's really, Griffin, tell her it's okay. It is, yeah, it's completely all right. Again, she comes to all of the shows to record them without anyone asking her to. Well, now uh, she's our... Well, I'm her videographer. Videographer, yes. But it's so kind of you to come in, record them in the first place. And well, nobody did it before. No. Well, I mean, you, the first few times you tried to do it, the ushers tried to Stop put you me. down. <laughs> I, you witnessed that one time, Sarah. I did. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because before you would come and record all the shows, they were all lost to time. And Ken has a few up on the Synergy uh, channel. None of them are like the full length plays. They're all some shorter form performances. But I think the thought was that the show originally was just for the night for that audience and that it wasn't meant to be captured and viewed indefinitely. Hmm. But wow. maybe we're more sentimental people and like to go back and relive those old magical shows. But that one that was lost, now it can kind of 
stay forever not judged is maybe the best <laughs> show of that run because no one will see it and they can just imagine how amazing it is. Well, honestly, come on. We've, <laughs> we've got to create a lobby card for that show. A lobby card. I'd, I'd never heard that term before either. Another mm -hmm. tree. Yep. Well, I do believe that was the performance of the show. I mean, I mostly recall it from my point of view, but I played a character who during safari in Africa got his arm bitten off by a lion. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and I think Arastu played the main character's father. I think Nikki might have been the main character in that one. And he got lost at sea, but he returned some 20, 30 years later to find that his wife is remarried and he's all but forgotten and presumed dead. Which was amazing, considering it was, it was Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> Can we pause just a second and just recognize that these beautiful works of art are supposed to be ethereal, right? Right. But. <laughs> I don't know. Part of me is like, okay, if I didn't record it, then it was, it's, it's like Burning Man where you can appreciate it in the moment and other people's memories. But then I don't know. It's, it's to me, it was just too good. Griffin, I, for better or worse, I, I need to be there and I need to capture your shows. And for my family who doesn't attend shows and my friends and that little theater you perform in which seats maybe 150 people or so. I think so many people need to be able to see these synergy shows. They're so brilliant. I love that. And that reminds me of another point of trivia. You ready? Ready. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hitch had a, a long time collaborator, more so than anyone else. You guys want to guess who it was? And this person was a writer, a script supervisor, editor, assistant director on dozens of Hitch's early films. And to give you a, a kind of a scope, their relationship went from 1926 well into the 1960s and beyond. Who do you think this person was? Whoa. Mm -hmm. um, I actually believe I know the answer to this one. So I'll let you go first. Me? I, I have no idea who that could be. I would guess maybe a relative, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, I think you're speaking about his wife. Yes. What? Really? His wife? Yes. Alma Revel. I think that's how you say her, her last name. Yep. Oh, my gosh. She would be on set, and sometimes he would do a take of a scene, and he wouldn't move on until he got her approval. And he turned to her and say, uh, how was it? Oh, my gosh. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. So, Valerie, I just want to take this opportunity to again say that your efforts to promote Synergy are incredible. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm sure they make a difference. I, I hope so. It's such a worthwhile production company. And I've just seen how much Griffin has grown with them. That brings me so much joy. And as much as even his little brother <laughs> doesn't want to admit it, but he really does enjoy seeing his brother perform, as does my family. And I, I promote it so much in my company that I have coworkers coming. It's just to me, I, I, I believe Synergy could do so much more if they could, if people knew more about them. So these podcasts are 
small but important step in that direction. Well, I'm having fun. Hey, (laughs) Griffin, I have a a question that kind of has something to do with the friendships between cast members. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but Hitch loved practical jokes from whoopee cushions. Those were a favorite to hosting dinner parties for friends with all the food dyed blue. And Mm. during the filming of 39 Steps, Hitch pretended to lose the handcuff key. There was a lead male character and a lead female character. The premise was that they had just met, but were handcuffed together and then had to solve a mystery while handcuffed during the whole film. He pretended to lose that handcuff key for like a good period of time on set and then miraculously found it later. So I was, I'm just wondering, it makes me wonder, are there any practical jokes going on between cast members at Synergy? We definitely have fun and joke around with each other during rehearsal and hanging out outside of it. But no, I don't think we actually have a practical joke culture where we're trying to trick each other like that. Oh, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> it seems too too good. It doesn't surprise me, actually, because <laughs> there is such a great amount of trust that the synergy players have for each other. I, I wouldn't want to undermine that. So I'm, I'm actually not surprised to hear Griffin say that. Am I, am I correct in thinking that, Griffin? Yeah, I, I would put it that way. I guess none of us really have the spirit of pulling those kind of jokes now that you gave me the idea. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Griffin, don't. <laughs> don't come over to the dark side. That's okay. I, I have a spare whoopee cushion. But here's here. the thing. <laughs> but no, I have seen it happen on stage, though, before where one of the players will endow another character with some sort of character aspect or physical condition. And the other character, the other player will have (laughs) to accept it. So while there's no whoopee cushions happening, which I'm glad, I do think that that there are times when one player will be like, ha ha ha, you're going to have to have one arm or have this kind of trait that you've got to keep throughout the whole thing of, Right? Yes. I think especially Ken is notorious for this. I recall we were doing Spontaneous Noir a few years ago. And one of the shows, because in that show, at any time, you could kind of break the fourth wall and speak directly to the audience. And Ken is very adept at that. And sometimes when he wanted a big emotional reaction out of one of us, he would stop time and address the audience and kind of narrate us and say like, oh, yes, his nostrils have flared and his eyes opened as wide as oranges. And he started shaking his hands and we were his puppets to follow his orders. And I do recall, Ken, he did that a few times in one show and around the end, I kind of got back at him by doing it myself at his expense. You just reminded me that there have been times when the audience plays the practical joker when they are making suggestions. And there have been times where I just cringe because of a suggestion that someone is very loudly yelling out. And I'm like, oh gosh, oh no. But it is also great because it's it's improv at its core. It's like anything... Almost anything 
goes. And the art is also in the player's ability to take suggestions and make them work. Yes, definitely. We always have to walk the line between making the shows interactive and bringing the audience into it, taking their suggestions, making them important to the show, while also not inviting them to become too comfortable and want to like jump up on stage and join us. Speaking of which, I think we're all three of us familiar enough with Hitchcock films that we know all about the cameos that he would make in his films. Yes. Right. Okay. So do you guys want to guess how many of his films Hitch made cameos in? Is it a percentage or a number? Number. (laughs) The number. Oh, wow. Do you have the number number of films he directed? Oh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to guess 20. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. That's just a guess. That's a good guess. Griffin? Um, I, you know, I'm going to go prices right and say 21. <laughs> okay. I, I will say this. I, I think that it's, it's interesting that as Hitchcock's films gained popularity, it was a, one of his favorite things was to insert himself as a cameo in his films, but he found that he had to insert himself in the film earlier and earlier in the film as his popularity grew, because then it was distracting for the audience yeah. to be looking for him. They were just being distracted from the story. So the number is 39 times. What? Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Every that, step, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. I, there might be a pairing there of 39 steps and 39 wow. cameos. The most creative cameo was in his 1944 film Lifeboat, which takes place in a lifeboat. So he had to be very creative as far as like how he was going to insert himself in a cameo in that film. So what he did was he, there's a newspaper that is, please don't. I don't have to describe what a newspaper is, do I? (laughs) No. Okay. I can still say that. People know what that is tangibly. Yes, I do. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm going to trust that people do. Okay. So there's a, there's a paper newspaper that someone opens up in the film and on the newspaper is an ad and Hitch is in the picture and it's an, an ad for a weight loss product. (laughs) And it's called Reduso Obesity Slayer. And Hitch is in the before and after. There's a before and after picture. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That's how he did that in that film. I have a question for both of you. And that is, if you could have a cameo in any Hitchcock film, which would it be? Gotta be psycho. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, What would your cameo be? I'd be the, the, like a crazy bellhop or something. Oh, you need your luggage brought to your room? Okay. <laughs> yes. Something weird like that. Very offbeat. Never to be seen again. What about you, Griffin? I will go with rear window. Oh, and? <laughs> I just want those apartments in that film look really nice. Like, like, <laughs> in one of them. They're rent controlled. <laughs> yeah. Would your cameo be like a neighbor walking down the hallway 
Or would you or Cameo be like a neighbor across the way where Jimmy Stewart's character is looking through his telescope? I think across the way. I think across one of the neighbors has like a pianist and he has like elaborate parties where he brings people over and plays the piano. So I think I want to attend the party. What about you, Sarah? Oh, gosh. I hadn't thought about this for myself. A cameo <laughs> in a Hitchcock film. I think it would be really funny to be a... Um, animal control person driving <laughs> through the birds, the film. <laughs> yeah. With a, like a really big net on, like, on the back of the truck or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> Griffin, what are you looking forward to the most with the Hitchcock series of shows? Well, I'm always excited to return to the Lesher Center. Those weekends when we have a performance are always kind of magical and fun and a whirlwind. But specifically for this one, I think we have been touching on some new methods that we haven't done in other shows in terms of building suspense. And we've been practicing a lot of things under Ken's direction to really capture that feeling and try to have the audience feel that aura of the master of suspense. Is this character going to die? Are they going to be caught by the police? And all these new techniques we have to bring that about on the stage. Can you give us a for example? Or are you going to keep us in suspense? <laughs> for example, I think a lot of our shows can be very fast paced. We have an hour and a half of performance, but usually the stage is never blank. There's always something happening. But with Hitchcock films and with suspense in general, a lot of it is taking your time, slowing down, letting the inner workings of the minds of the audience kind of do the work for you. So we're really working on those moments of finding silence after very intense lines. I'm imagining how that's going to develop and I, I can't wait to see that, how wonderful. As an improviser in class, I am working on trusting that silences are actually okay and in some cases good. It does build the suspense, I think. What do you think, Valerie? I'm being silent on purpose. (laughs) Actually, I totally agree. I I always think like my, my superpower is being able to be silent like for an uncomfortably long time. Like, (laughs) I don't want to fill the void. If someone can just speak, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait it out. That is a superpower. (laughs) Uh, Culturally, it seems like people are allergic to silences. Got to fill it with words or music or or whatever. Just anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I practice not saying um, just to fill the void. Yes. Um, 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 I, I like, I do appreciate when Synergy will have that silent moment and then they'll come out with something so shocking that I, I practically just drop my camera. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to is that, that shock moment, which they always have. Every show, every series has one moment where they just shock the heck out of me. Yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll drop my camera. I'll just laugh uncontrollably or something. The recording is thrown off, but those are precious. I love those. Griffin, you're being silent. Well, I was just practicing 
<laughs> allowing you two to speak. <laughs> Silence, in a way, is actually helpful in improv and especially was when we were doing it over Zoom because it's a little harder to read the social cues when everyone's just on a screen as opposed to in person. So then we were really practicing. You would say something, make your statement, and make it clear you're done speaking, give a little bit of space, and then the next person would start speaking so you avoid over-talking. I thought you guys did such a, a highly skilled job of that. I was very impressed. They do. Well, thank you. They really do. It's, it's amazing. And you go fast, too. So as much as you pause, there's not a, like a really long, awkward pause. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the audience will mind it at all. I think that it'll enhance the, the pacing and enhance the tension and suspense, just like Griffin was saying, to just take a pause. It's true. And I, I think even non-verbally, like I, I've noticed the, the way they can communicate without even saying anything, just like Griffin flaring your nostrils or Arastu, you know, moving his eyebrows up and down. To me, that's, that's all part of the theatrical moment. Yes, definitely. If there was an Oscar for <laughs> improv, I would think that Synergy would be nominated every <laughs> single time. Absolutely. And speaking of Oscars... I got a question for the two of you about Hitchcock. Did Hitch ever win an Oscar? Oh, geez. I don't know. Wow. I seem to recall he was like notoriously snubbed for them a lot, but I can't think of if he actually ever won one. I really don't know if he was. Wow. His films were nominated five times. And let's see, the films that were nominated were Rebecca, Lifeboat, Spellbound, Rear Window and Psycho. And mm. no, he never won an Oscar. He was, however, knighted by, knighted. <laughs> by, by Queen Elizabeth II in 1980. What? Mm -hmm. oh. oh my gosh. That's amazing. I think I, I would take that. Make me a knight. Wow, this has been so fun to talk about. Yes. Thank you both. Griffin, is there anything that you would like us to, in closing, to make sure that we talk about or anything that you want people to know about the upcoming show? I guess I would want people to know that they can come and experience suspense on the stage and it's not going to be a last all the time. We're still going to have some fun and hopefully have people laughing, but we're also going to take a different approach this time and really find drama and intense intrigue and really try to emulate the way that Hitchcock would do his movies. Valerie? I am really looking forward to this. I feel Griffin has matured as well as most of the cast. They're very seasoned, but they always grow with every show. And I always love October. That's just my favorite month. So to see them perform in October is going to be such a treat. I think often we can have a show that's just like one month off. Like we did, we were supposed to do Dickens in January, who is a person that is often associated with uh, December and Christmas. And so we were going to miss it just by a month. And we ended up 
missing it by four months. But I'm really happy this one aligned uh, so that we have Hitchcock in October. And actually, we have our final performance the night before Halloween. Uh, that's perfect. Oh, my gosh. I think I might, I might come in costume. I think that'll be allowed. We have to do it, Sarah. Okay. Well, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And Valerie, you and I are going to be in touch, I think, a lot more about these podcast episodes. Uh, hello. Yes, we're not done yet. Okay. Griffin was just our first stepping stone. So we have <laughs> more cast members to, to tap. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.